our values. And last week, I don't know, we had so much going on, and it was like 11 o'clock before I stepped up here, and all of you guys were sweating. It's 1034. We're doing good. <laughs> right? And I'm not going to be long-winded. Yeah. <laughs> But we get to talk about our values. And our values are the things, th these just aren't positive statements. This is not statements that says, oh, this is what we want to be like. This is, these are statements that says, this is who we are. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have room to grow. We have room to grow in these values. But this is how we live, right? This is how we want to live. This is how we're choosing to live as a family. This is our way of functioning as a family. And so for, two, for the, today, we're going to talk about two of our values. And actually, one of them, it hasn't changed, but the language of the value has changed because we want it to be way more clear and specific about who God um, is wiring us to be and how we're living. So I'm excited to talk about these. In three weeks from now, on September the 23rd, we're going to celebrate these values and covenanting to, together on that Sunday. And we're going to eat together. We're going to celebrate together. I mean, we might even be smoking meats for that celebration, unless you're a vegetarian. And then we're going to have all kinds of beans and vegetables with no bacon in them, right? So we're going to celebrate that on the 23rd. So, but, but the two values for today, and the first one is this. It used to be called taking the next step. You can read it out in our lobby on the wall. We're going to change it. We, 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 we felt like and we realized that we wanted to be a little bit more clear on what this value was because it is about taking the next step. But the value, we've reframed it, we've retitled it, and it's called this, hearing and doing. Right? I mean, we live, they, we talk about hearing and doing all the time. I mean, this is a part of who we are. This, this, and this value. So let me read the value. And um, it's meant to be simple. It's meant to be that we can, when you, you hear this title, the value, you know what it means. And hearing and doing is pretty clear. But in case you don't, here's the language that we're playing with to communicate that. And oh, it's up there. No, that's not the language of the hearing and doing. So you can, you can get rid of that one, Shane. That's, that's not the language. Here's the language. At the heart of following Jesus is hearing his words and then acting on them. We believe that it's our birthright to hear from our loving Father and that life is more adventurous and satisfying when we say yes to what we hear. Right? That's the value. So let me read that again because we're probably going to change the, science, the little thing out there so it just makes sense, right? At the heart of following Jesus is hearing his words and then acting on them, right? We believe that it's our birthright to hear from our loving Father and that life is more adventurous and satisfying when we say yes to what we hear. Oh, there it is. That's it. Right? So that's what we're playing with. That's the value that we want to speak to, this first one. Hearing and doing. And if you've heard us, if you've been at Genesis long enough, we always talk about this. There was even a season at the end of whenever we would talk or do things, we would pause and listen, right? Because we believe that God wanted to communicate to us, that he was the one who was wanting to speak to us, to get our attention and to move us. It's an activity. So here's one of the things we believe as a church, right? That God is speaking. We live that. And he's just not speaking to people who are holy or 
pious or pretending to be holy and pious. He is speaking to the lost, the vulnerable, the hurting, the forgotten, the intellect, the silly, right? He, he's, he's grabbing anyone's attention. He's speaking. So here, here's Jesus living out this value in Mark 1, 35 through 39. In this text, it says that Jesus did this whole day of ministry and was healing people and doing all the miraculous. That's a sign of the kingdom of God. And it says in Mark 1, it says, before the daybreak of the next morning, Jesus got up and he went off to an isolated place to pray. And then later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That's why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. He does this amazing ministry there when he was, uh, he was in Capernaum, I believe. That was the spot that they were. And it said, oh, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. You know what that means, right? You're important, right? When everyone's looking for you, that's what it's like. Oh, my gosh, you're a big deal, Jesus. See, at that time, nobody knew who he was. He started this ministry. Is this rabbi? You're a big deal. Everybody's looking for you. And 99.9% of all humans in which we would step up and someone would come to us and say, everyone in this city is looking for you. They want you, your time, your words, your attention. Look how important you are. We would probably all cave and say, oh my gosh, I've arrived. I guess this is what I should do. I should stay here and hang out with these people. But Jesus doesn't. Not because he doesn't love those people. He loves those people. But why doesn't he? Well, the text tells us, right? Because he, he knew what he was invited into. He knew why he was being called. He knew what he came into by the Father. He said he spent the morning in prayer, engaging his ear to the Father, and so when the crowds came to him, like, they're looking for you. And yet the father was directing him somewhere else. He was able to go there, not wooed or swayed by the crowd, the approval, the fame, the popularity, their praise, or their critique. Because the father was directing him. This is how we see Jesus living this. And many of us, we hear that and we say, oh my gosh, I, I, could, I could use some of that. I wasn't swayed by the crowd or their praise or their critique. And yet I knew how to live and navigate life as the Father was moving me. And the way that he had wired us and gifted us so we know why we've come into this world, why he birthed us, why he's allowed us to live. Right? This is this value lived out by Jesus. Jesus even said, he says, I, I do nothing on my own initiative. Nothing. This is Jesus. But I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, and he has, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. This is Jesus talking about his relationship with his Father. What I love about this value of hearing and doing, and especially the way we've kind of written it here, it says, oh yeah, it's about hearing and doing. But, but the hearing is a part of our birthright. You know what a birthright is? It's you're born into a family, right? And, and you're inheriting certain things as a part of this family. And so the family that we are part of is the family of God being adopted into that family because we were not born naturally into that family, but we were adopted by the work of Jesus, by his love, by his price that he paid for us. That's what the scriptures talk about. And yet we inherit 
this birthright that everything is God is ours. This is what Jesus said. And he says, oh, the Father's with me. Everything that is his is mine. Everything that is mine is his. He's with me and he speaks to me. He teaches me and I move on. So our birthright as being a part of the family is to hear from him. Now, it, ta- it can sometimes take practice, intentionality, and time. And if you're struggling to hear, then I, I just want to invite you to, at least even to hear from me, the Father loves you and wants to speak to you, wants to get your attention, wants to direct you and guide you, wants to speak words over you that are for your good. And all of us we can hear in different ways, and there's some different ways of doing this. And for many of us, we need to learn what the most, the best ways is for us to actually to discern God's voice. But one of the key things for this is to even just have our palate wet of believing that God wants to speak to you. He wants to get your attention. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. Why? Because he loves you. And he is good for you, and he wants to speak into your life He wants to speak into the wounds. He wants to speak into the hurts. He wants to speak into your gifts. He wants to speak into your bank account. He wants to speak into your relationships. He wants to speak into all these different things in order to give you his perspective, his word, his affirmation, his challenge into your life. We need it. We need it. We're desperate for it, and it's a gift. Jesus himself, when he was talking about those who were his, he's like, man, my sheep... They hear my voice, right? And he went on and he said, they, they hear, they say, oh, he didn't only say that. So this is in John 10, 20, he says, my sheep, they hear my voice. And I know them. I know them. And they will follow me. So th- this value is not just about us hearing and doing. It's about a God who knows us. He knows you. And so he's going to speak incredibly specific into this knowledge of who we are and our gifts. And so the two questions that we want to etch on our heart that are part of this value, the two questions that at every turn of our life, the good, the bad, the pain of someone dying, of a disappointment, of a hurt, of a wound, of good moments, bad moments, the in-between, weird things that happen in conversations, the million-dollar question is always, God, what are you saying to me? Or what do you want to say to me? Because this moment is speaking something else. But God, what do you want to say to me? That's the million dollar question. That's the question that we should be asking as people. That's the question of this value. God, what are you saying? God, what are you saying? God, what are you saying? I need to hear from you. And once we hear, once we can put into words, even if we get it wrong, right? It's about those who say, Jesus said, man, those who seek, they're going to find You're wanting to hear, you're going to hear more. You're asking that question, it's going to be answered. So we ask that, God, what are you saying to me? And when you can answer that, and even with all the fear and trembling, you can say words like, I think God is saying dot, dot, dot to me, then you can begin to respond to it. You can act on it. You can say yes to it. That's what this value is. So a recent recent one for me to live into this value uh, I get up at 6 o'clock on most mornings, and I go and exercise. And, I mean, for those of you who exercise in the morning, I mean, just getting up is a win. You get your stuff on, you're in the car, and you're like, yes, I'm en route, I'm going. And one, once I do that, man, I'm locked, right? I'm ready to go. 
Uh, I'm driving down Woodward. All of a sudden, I see two people sitting on the bench in front of St. John's Church. This is at 6 o'clock in the morning or, you know, or 6.20. And that prompting, right? The whisper, the faintness. That's, it's been a while. I, I recognize those things. And when it's, when it's anything that moves me towards love, I know it's not me, right? You know, I, I'm going to the gym, right? That's my motive. That's what I want to go and do. But yeah, I was prompted like, hey, because um, there was one person leaning, almost like sleeping on the other person there together on this park bench or this right in front of the church on the bench. And um, if you're like me, it always takes me a little bit to respond. And so I feel it. And I'm like, oh, gosh, no, I want to go. They're going to be fine. You're right. I'm wrestling the inner dialogue. And all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> you're right, whatever. Right? Uh, but I'm like, I say, yes, right? So I turn the car around, go park around there, and walk up to these two ladies, a mother and a daughter, sleeping on a bench in front of St. John's Church and begin to talk to them and they apparently had been there, well, they went to IHOP first and stayed there until four in the morning, and then they sat on the bench. And the little daughter was 14, and she was sleeping, and there's the mom with her. And, um, right? I mean, that's, that's not normal, right? And so, and God only asked me, like, hey, you just go there and talk to them, right? Go there and, and care for them. And um, at that point, I, I, I couldn't, do anything. They're like, hey, we're, we're okay. We're, we're just going to be here. And so I was like, okay, okay. So I feel like I was inviting me to listen to them. Um, and then as a church, thank you for that. But we, 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 when we see people who are in need and we're moved to that, we, we just respond. Jenny is in charge of a benevolence fund. And she does a really good job of listening. And, and her and Jenna continue to wrestle with like, okay, as we encounter needs, we try to do our best to be able to help them, Right? And when you see a 14-year-old girl and her mother sleeping outside on a bench, you're like, okay, no, we don't do that, right? And we, we respond. And so the church has just allowed me to be like, hey, you, you can move on their behalf, move on their behalf, and then try to help them, right? So I was able to come back a little bit later. And that's the sense what God was inviting me into, right? So we, we got them into a hotel for a, for a bit in order that they could figure out what to do. And even I was with them, here's the thing. Now, see, God was speaking, and so I'm hearing and doing, but that's only half of it. That's, that's not even it. I'm responding to this because God actually wants to speak into my life. He, he's wanting to move in me by these interactions. He's just not saying, oh, yeah, care for this family. He is. And we did. Right? We moved on their behalf. But I'm, I'm driving them to the hotel and getting something to eat. Um, and this little girl's 14 and she is unfazed by their circumstances. Unfazed by the reality they have nowhere to go unfazed with the reality of sleeping outside on a bench and hanging out to IHOP until four o'clock in the morning, right? I mean, do you think you'd be freaking out? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And so what it told me is that this girl was incredibly adaptable, right? That she's experienced probably quite a bit of hardship, and she's had to adapt to life's circumstances in order to live. That's what many people do who find themselves in that kind of tragedy, that kind of hardship, incredibly adaptable, unfazed. I, I dropped them off, and, and, I, and I can remember being moved in that day thinking about them, thinking about her and her emotion and the lack of a, sort of like not worried about their circumstances when I was incredibly worried for them, right? I was totally phased, unfazed. And God began to speak into that of my life because one of my greatest strengths is adaptability. 
I can adapt. And God began to speak into the hardships and the tragedies of my own life. Began to say, hey, do you see where your adaptability is coming from? Do you remember those things that you can't remember about your childhood? <laughs> do you remember those gaps and those blocks that you can't remember? Do you remember those hardships that you've gone through? Yeah, that, that, was, that was your past. You, you, you've had those, and those have shaped some things of you. Right? And, and we can look at those and we say, man, those are not the way they should be. And that's true. They're not. That's, that's, this is not how life should be for this 14-year-old girl and this mom, right? It's not how it should be, but, but it is. And yet, here's a God who's caring for them. And as I was in there and God was moving in my memory and my reflections and my time as I'm stepping into these things and he's reminding me of my own past and he begins to speak to me about it. As I begin to reflect and say, oh my gosh, that, I, I mean, I was never sleeping on a bench at 14, right? It was different kinds of trauma that added to my adaptability, but trauma-like. But God was speaking into that for my good. And he was saying things like this to me. He was saying, hey, I have carried you. And I will continue to. And so when God speaks those profound words of you, so when we said the value is hearing, that's what God was hearing. And then doing. Sometimes the doing is turn the car around, go there and sit, don't go work out in the gym, hang out with this family, listen to them, right? Sometimes that's the doing. But sometimes the doing is just being. Do you know what I mean? It's not doing something. God's just not saying, oh, I want you to do something. Sometimes it's actually being. He wants you to be. Do you get what I mean by that? Sometimes us believing what he's saying for you is saying, I care about you. And all I want you to do is believe it. Say yes to it. So my being then would be like, oh, I can rest today. No matter what comes. Because God said he's carrying me. Regardless of what may hit. Regardless of what I might have to adapt to. Right? That he's going to carry me. That's how God speaks and he moves us. He's wanting to speak into these things because he's a good father. He wants to speak into our wounds, into our hurts, into our childhood, into our memories. Because he's a dad. He, he's the best dad. That even if we had good ones, he's the better one. And if you had a bad one or absent one, he's a way different one. Who was active, present, and near. And who wants to speak in to those memories of your past and who wants to speak into your present moments and wants to speak into your future. Huge for us to live into this. And so church, the million dollar questions are this. What is God saying to you through all the things that he brings up into your memory as you read the scriptures, as you have a conversation when that goes bad with a friend, after you watch a movie, after you have a conversation helping someone or, or them helping you, whatever it is, he is wanting to speak. And if you can re remember to ask this question, whenever your mind, heart, emotions are stirred, God, what are you wanting to say to me? That's our value one, and this is a value that we're going to teach on this year, and we're going, to, we're going to do teachings on this one because we think it's used for teaching people how to hear, right? So today isn't about saying, oh, how do you do this um, in, in a way to, that you can be more and more confident to discern God's voice. We're going to teach on that this year as we go through because we think it's huge. Do you agree? 
Awesome. That's value one. Value two. All of life is worship. And this value goes like this. God is good. And in response to God's faithfulness, we are compelled to respond with worship, reverence, and praise in all areas of our lives. In work, in play, in study, in prayer, in giving, in service. This is about having this integrated life. That worshiping God just isn't about this hour and a half, hour, whatever it is here, right? It's every bit of life is in response to God's goodness. If we respond to God's goodness in every bit of life, right? The uh, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 is kind of a scripture text that for me kind of uh, reinforces this value. As Paul was encouraging the church, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your physical body as a living sacrifice. Our physical body is a good thing. And so we can offer it to God as a gift, holy, set apart for God, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Right? You can worship God with your body, with your being. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Body and mind present in this text. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's his value. It's about every bit of our life is of worship to God. Uh, the, the scriptures talk about eating as worship to God and drinking as worship to God, that if we're doing it with thankfulness to God, it's an act of worship, whether we're eating little, we're eating rice and beans, to, or that we're eating a fine meal at a favorite restaurant. It's worship as we eat with gratitude to God who's provided. Sleeping is worship to God as we can rest in his provision. Thank him for the opportunity to close our eyes and to know that he sustains, carries, and provides for the world. It's not on our shoulders. He says, no, I hold it all together by my power. Sleeping is. And so when Jesus was asleep and there was a huge storm going on in the boat and the disciples were like, we're dying. They're waking up Jesus. His response to him is what? Why do you have such little faith? freaking out, you know, and he says, quiet, and the storm is done. Sleeping was a worship to God. So all that we do is worship to God, and I was talking with different friends about this one. They, it's their favorite. Nikki's, the, she's in charge of our, the, the garden. This is her favorite value, and she says she saw it as a child and with her aunts and stuff that as they would clean their homes, they, they'd be thinking of They'd be praising God for the space they've given. They'd be praising God for the family that was there. They would be praising God for the good that he had given them. They'd be, they, it was an integrated time, even in their home, as they cleaned, uh, being like, God, you're good. Thank you for my family. Thank you for who's present. Thank you for who's invited into this home. Thank you for who, sit, who are, come to this table even as friends. And I can welcome into here and can sit at the space with me. God, thank you for what, what you're doing in the life and the people around me. Praising God, that's what's worshiping where you live looks like. And I have friends who worship at their work. Now, I, I, um, I worked at Caribou Coffee in like in 19... 
96, I think it was, somewhere maybe 1995, I worked at Caribou Coffee, uh, I think like over on 15 Mile and um, Mosser, I think it was a Caribou over there. And I was really big into this guy named Keith Green, who is a Christian recording artist. Keith Green, he's like super passionate, has a super high voice, um, and played the piano, kind of like Billy Joel. Tom, you would love him. Um, um, and, and almost theatrical about him. Incredibly passionate, right? I mean, the guy, the guy did crazy things, gave all of his music away because he was like, no, we shouldn't be charging people for it, right? And, and he sold a lot of albums, so people got really mad because they lost a lot of money. Um, but he was, he, was, he, was, he was out there, right? And he, he died tragically really young. Um, but I loved his music. I loved his passion. So at that time, in 1996 at Caribou Coffee, they let whoever opened the store choose whatever music to play. And do you know what music I chose at 6 o'clock in the morning at Caribou Coffee from this 1980s recording artist who was incredibly passionate playing his songs about loving Jesus? I chose Keith Green, and he's playing his songs, you know, on the piano and, and all that, and I'm loving it, you know, but you know who isn't loving it? <laughs> A majority of people, right? Because, you know, they, they don't want to hear that, you know, and so um, they complained, and Caribou then um, never allowed people to choose their own music, you know, and I think that was because of me. <laughs> See, that, that's not, in essence, what it means to even worship in your work, right? You don't have to listen to crazy 80s worship music, Unless you like to, right? That's cool. It's good, right? Um, but to, to worship at your work is to, is to use the gifts that God has given you and the, the talents that he's given you, the things that he's given you, the, the, the work that he's given you for the good of others, and to do it well. To do it at well, knowing that it more than likely benefits someone else. It doesn't only benefit you by the paycheck. But when you do it well... When you, when you put your heart into it, regardless of what it is, it is honoring to God and it's, it's worship. I have a friend who's a lawyer and before he does his cases, he's, he's praying, he brings out all of his work before God. And he's not praying, God, let me win. <laughs> Which I, I know, right? I mean, that's, that's what we think, right? It's like what you pray before a sporting event, right? God, let us win. No, he, he's praying, God, God um, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom that I can handle this with, with credibility and kindness and compassion. And his job is to actually defend doctors from malpractice suits. Right? So you know there's somebody on the other side who's ex, who is experienced something probably bad and terrible and not good. But his prayer is, God, give me wisdom. That, that's worshiping at our work. I have another friend in his work, and, and he works with money. Right? And his, and his prayer is, he even invites God into what he's doing. God, uh, God, guide what I'm doing for the good of these families, for these people. Let me work diligently. Give me favor, God, in what I'm doing. Stretch it. Stretch, stretch what we're a part of for your, for your good. It's, it's whatever it, it is, whatever we're a part of, God can step in to our work and be with us in it engaging. We can worship him in it by resting and listening and, and, and inviting him in to, to join us. And so worshiping in our studying, that it's all about revering God, worshiping in our giving, that's why we've been seeing, we, have to, we give our offering, worshiping in our, in our serving. We can even worship God in our playing. 
I, uh, so exercise for me is a form of play. And so a lot of times when I would go to the gym in the morning, I, you guys think, oh my gosh, that is so weird, right? I don't know, that's the way I'm wired, you know? But it's play, it's fun, right? It's my play. And so when I get to exercise and we're getting ready to do something terrible and grueling, I'm like, God, thank you that I can move, right? Thank you for that ability. Thank you for the ability to stand up, to run, to jump, right? It's worship. My friend Jim, when we, he, he kind of, now you don't have to go this far, <laughs> but certain times when you guys who, do, who lift weights and stuff and you have different rep schemes that you're doing, his buddy would always do this rep scheme instead of counting for five reps, you know, if I, one, two, three, four, five, his friend would do rep schemes to the name Jesus and he'd be like, J-E-S-U-S, you know, and it is kind of funny, Right? But, but there is a part of that, right? We're just being mindful. So yeah, I'm not saying you need to do that. That might be like playing Keith Green uh, at Caribou, and they might ask not, I don't know if Planet Fitness will even let you do that, right? But we've done it a few times at the gym. But it's worship, right? It's play, and, and, and God is good. So inviting God into your play, thanking him for it. All of life is worship. That's the value. It's a beautiful, beautiful value. And part of it is this mindfulness where we continue to remember that every area of our life, God is a part of and wanting to be active in it. We can be grateful and present, giving him thanks, inviting him to open our eyes and to let us live into it, whether we're cutting grass, caring for people, teachers, students, at home with our children, or even in the moment of rest. All of it is worship to God. Those are the two values that we want to live in. But I want to practice the second one as we close today, that all of life is worship. And um, starting on Tuesday, all of our schools will be back in session. You know, the majority of our schools will be back in session, but maybe some have already started from colleges. And so um, work is an act of worship. All of life is worship. And so many of you here are educators, so you work in a school district, or you're caring for kids, or you're part of the after-school programs, or maybe you're in the university. Um, and, and it's worship to God. And your, your, your service, and we have a number of teachers who are praying for their students, who have eyes for their students, who are looking at students, who are mindful of those who are hurting, mindful of those who are going through tragedies. And a number of teachers would reach out to me and say, hey, Bo, in this last year or this last week, two parents died you know, of my students. Right? And so th- this is another layer of care that these kids have are their teachers, are the ones that are here. They're, they're mindful of that. They're looking to see who's being bullied and who's being pushed around and they're stepping in, right? They're trying to see as God gives them opportunity to worship him and listen to him and to respond to these kids. They want to shape them in their future for their good. This is everyone involved, not only the teachers in the room, but everyone involved in the schools. And so we want to pause and we want to pray for them, right? Knowing that this is worship to God, but we also want to pray for God's care and God's wisdom upon them as they begin to step into this full year. And we want to do that as we close, as a way of living into this value that all of life is worship. Sound good, church? So um, educators, those who are part of school systems, those involved in any of the facets of teachers and and preschool and of that, I want to invite you guys to stand up. And, um, and we want to we pray for you. 
And so, church, here's what I invite you to do, because it's just not about me praying. I want, to, I want to invite you guys too. And so if you can just kind of look to see who's close to you and if you know the person's kind of standing, if you just want to place your hand upon their shoulder just as a way of being near. So church, I want to invite you to stand up and maybe closer to a person who has just stood. And if you know somebody who's standing and if you want to go nearer to them, you certainly can. We are grateful for the work that you do. And your work is for the flourishing of, of people, right? It's, it's, it's a good work. It's a really, really good work. And I don't know if you sometimes can forget that, but boy, it is a good, good work. And so if you can... I don't know if you can breathe that in a little bit. And I think the Father wants to speak that into teachers just to know that, boy, what you're doing is good, right? It's for the flourishing of families and of communities. And that is not a small endeavor. And so um, if those around you, if you just want to, I, I, I invite, I invite you to, if you would just pray God's blessing, or if you could just pray God's good upon those who have stood around you, and, and again, I, I ask for like a two-sentence prayer, right, so we don't overwhelm that person, right, and we can give some multiple voices, and those prayers could be things like, God, give them wisdom, God, strengthen them for this year, give them eyes to see, or may, may their students flourish, may their teacher, right, just ask for, ask for good things, right, Pray those audacious prayers. Ask for good on their behalf, all their students, of their coworkers, of these schools, of these cities, of these kids. Could you guys do that? Could you pray these kind of good prayers? And pray for our teachers and kids and students. So I, I want to give you a couple minutes, and I invite anybody who has breath in their lips just to pray a two-sentence prayer over the person um, and over teachers as you're there. Sound good? All right, go for it, church. Father, thank you for these that you have gifted and invited 
or just giving them the opportunity to serve and to love and to be in a school system that is about shaping children, adults, people of all ages. We pray, God, that you would pour out your wisdom and sustain them this year. Would you bring your blessing, God, upon families? God, we, we pray, this audacious prayer, that every student in, in this city and surrounding cities would flourish. How we pray that, God, that their minds would be captured by learning. And those who are coming in believing, God, that they're dumb or slow or worthless, God, would experience something different by your grace. Their minds could be open that they can learn. They would see the gifts and abilities that you've given them. And that you would speak upon these lies, God, with your truths. God, we pray an audacious prayer for these teachers that you, God, that they could bring peace and love and goodness into the schools. That, um, that evil could be turned for good. We pray you would open their eyes, God. And God, to that weight, we pray that you would remove the weight that you would do the heavy lifting of sustaining and caring and embracing all these families and kids who are part of it. And God, and as these teachers are giving of themselves and, and they may even have families and those they're caring for, would you sustain them, God? And let them know that you're caring them and their families. So God, we pray that um, you would grace them that their work could be worship to you. They'd be able to step into it with ease this year and worshiping you in their work. So God, thank you. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So if you know of teachers and they're your friends or they're your spouse, man, would you, they didn't make it today, would you pray for them, right? Would you encourage them as they step into their work worshiping God? Hey, we're so glad you're with us. These are the two values. On the 23rd, we're going to be inviting ourselves, our community to say yes to them, say we want to live these. We want to live this value of hearing and doing, and we want to live out the value of all of life as worship and growing in our ability to recognize and to step in and give God thanks for every good thing. And so today, may you, may you be able to step into the, the worship of this day, the worship of God in this day, as you eat, or as you're with your family, or tomorrow on Labor Day, as you're, as you're not having to go to work, and thank God for being able to eat hot dogs, or do no, whatever you're going to do to give him thanks. If you need some hot dog buns, we have some from last week sitting on the counter. <laughs> Um, take them. Take them. Go behind the coffee thing. Get the hot dog buns. They're for you. We, we're so generous. Take hot dog buns and pay $15 if you're going to stick around for parking. <laughs> right, church? Have a great day. We're glad you're with us. We hope to see you next week and have a great, great week. Good to see you guys. Yes. Good to see you, Frank.